0: This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chetka, a general internist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Headaches are quite common, and essentially everyone has experienced them, some more often than others. While most headaches are merely an annoyance, others can be quite debilitating and result in missed work and lost productivity. Overall, tension headaches are probably the most common, and what we typically see in the office are one or more types of migraines. While these represent the majority of headaches, some headaches are much less common and be considered unusual. As healthcare providers, it's important for us to be able to recognize when a headache falls into the unusual category. Today, we're gonna continue our podcast series on headaches with our guest, Dr. Narayan Kasun, the neurologist and headache specialist at the the Mayo Clinic, and we'll discuss unusual headaches. Narayan, welcome, thank you for joining us.
1: Hi, yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Well, let's start by having you describe when we should suspect a patient coming into our office maybe doesn't have a tension headache or migraine and maybe some type of unusual headache. What are some features or red flags that we should look for?
1: That is a wonderful question. And to help out in making sure we don't miss unusual headaches or headaches that may have a secondary cause, we have a nice mnemonic and it's called SNOOP. So SNOOP uh, represents looking for systemic symptoms and secondary risk factors. Do they have fevers, weight loss? Do they have a history of malignancy or immunocompromised state? The N in the Snoop mnemonic stands for neurologic symptoms. Do they Are they? they have confusion? Is there impaired alertness or consciousness? Do they have even signs uh, like a ptosis or meiosis, the Horner syndrome? The O we often think of with onset. And, and that's one of the most important questions. And and that, that question you should always ask is, you know, is it a thunderclap headache? Is it maximum in severity within seconds to minutes like snap? And that really makes you think about a uh, worrisome secondary cause or an unusual headache because your typical primary headaches don't have that feature. Are they older? If patient has a new headache after the age of 50, you really need to start thinking about things like a new brain tumor or giant cell arteritis. And then the last is that P or, you know, have they had a change in their prior headache history? Is it positional? Do they have papilledema or swelling of the optic nerve and precipitants? uh, That's where the unusual headaches really can come out when you're getting it in the history. Things like cough, it's a big question we ask, or in Valsalva, do they, when they bear down and have a bowel movement, do they have a triggering of a headache? And a big thing when you're asking a question like that is, do they have a headache when that worsening happens or don't they? Because oftentimes in things like migraine, if they already have a headache and they will often have worsening of headache with a cough, but it would be an unusual headache if they don't have a headache, and then a cough triggers a headache.
0: Great. That was very useful. So let's talk about some of these unusual headaches. It's unlikely that we're going to see some of these, uh, certainly not all of them, but you know we do need to recognize when patients come in with a slightly unusual headache, and let's see if we can identify some features that might help our listeners. I got some categorization here. So there are some associated with the cough. Can you describe those?
1: Yeah. So we're talking a little bit about that cough headache. So when a patient has no headache and then they have a cough and it triggers a headache, usually that headache lasts for about seconds to minutes in duration after the cough. Uh, and really the idea is, is when they're coughing, it, it would be increasing intracranial pressure, And that's the rationale to why that's such an important feature. One disorder that we think of probably more classically is a Chiari malformation, which is a condition that really isn't going to respond to anything other than a surgical intervention and and requires imaging to detect with an MRI of the head. The other thing that's kind of interesting and what you can get is an acquired Chiari malformation. An acquired Chiari malformation can occur in spontaneous CSF leaks. And what happens is the brain sags down into the posterior fossa, and then they develop an acquired Chiari as a result of the spinal fluid leak. And you can even have spinal fluid leaks with a cough headache and the MRI of the head can be completely normal. It's something we're seeing more commonly, and when the imaging is completely normal, including the head and the spine, we start thinking about this rare cause of a spinal fluid leak called a CSF venous fistula. And in my mind, and, and just because we're seeing it so frequently in our CSF dynamics clinic, if a patient has normal MRI of the head and they have a cough headache, It is really a CSF venous fistula until proven otherwise.
0: All right. Now, how about headaches associated with change in position or orthostatic headaches?
1: Yeah. So similarly, spinal fluid leaks will more typically, and when people think about spinal fluid leaks, will occur with a orthostatic headache. And that's something that you're going to want to think about with those positional changes. The converse can happen where if a, a patient has a worsening of headache, where you lay flat, then you're going to start thinking about the opposite and think about things like intracranial hypertension. One common thing that you're thinking about, and it's in the textbooks, and when you think about medical school is a condition called pseudotumor cerebri formally. Now it's called idiopathic intracranial hypertension they can usually have headaches that worsen when they bend over to tie their shoes. If they lay flat in the bed or they wake up in the morning, their headaches are really prominent. And so whenever you have positional headaches with bending over and laying flat, you want to think about the opposite. Now that idiopathic intracranial hypertension is of course something where you have to exclude other causes of intracranial hypertension. And that's usually done with an MRI of the head. And you're looking for things like a cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, intracranial tumors, and things like that.
0: Let me go back just a little bit to the CSF leak headaches. I've seen that commonly after a patient has had an LP a lumbar puncture. Does it occur in those who have not had lumbar punctures?
1: Oh, yes. The CSF leaks, we have a whole category where they're just, we can call them spontaneous uh, CSF leaks or spontaneous intracranial hypotension. Most commonly, they occur in the thoracic spine. They can occur as a result of a bony spicule or a bone spur that tears the dura Kind of spontaneously due to arthritis or degenerative changes in the spine. And they can sometimes occur with nerve root sleeve tears as the nerve is exiting the foramen. And then in the rare instances and the things that we're seeing more and more is this uh, CSF venous fistula, which is a, a communication of the nerve root sheath. The dura forms a communication with the venous system.
0: How about those categorized as thunderclap headaches? What kind of headaches can be considered that?
1: That's a great question. And uh, and the most important thing when somebody's presenting with a new thunderclap headache, that is really a subarachnoid hemorrhage until proven otherwise. So if if someone's calling in to the primary care clinic, and they're describing this sudden onset headache, or you see them in the clinic that day. That is one where you need to get them to the emergency department and they need to get an urgent head CT because that is one diagnosis you do not want to miss and can be life-threatening if if that is missed. There are some other conditions that can cause thunderclap headaches that can be life-threatening and serious. One condition that's really interesting is called reversible cerebral vasoconstriction syndrome. It is a condition that is associated with use of stimulants, so methamphetamines, cocaine, even things like stimulants you find in supplements. It's also associated with cannabis use. And what happens is patients will present with intermittent thunderclap headaches and depending on when they get the imaging, they may or may not have the finding, but they will have noted narrowings in the arteries of the brain, and it's reversible. The treatment for this is usually stopping the offending agent, so if they're on any substances or they're taking uh, medications or supplements that are stimulants, you want to be sure to tell them to stop that, and then we often use a medication called verapamil, which is a good calcium channel blocker. It's usually self-limiting, and when things are treated and corrected, the headaches typically don't recur.
0: I can recall a patient I had years ago who probably would have been considered as having a thunderclap headache and no specific cause was found. Can those occur for no apparent reason?
1: That is the case, and we call it primary thunderclap headache. The important thing, though, is because of all the other dangerous things that can occur uh, and cause a thunderclap headache, like most importantly, the subarachnoid hemorrhage, it is a diagnosis of exclusion. And so any patient that has a thunderclap headache should get initially a head CT non-contrast. And then depending on how far out they are from the onset of the symptoms, and additionally an MRI of the head, and likely vascular imaging with a, you know, an angiogram, whether it's a CT angiogram or an MR angiogram. If they don't have any of these findings and it's considered a primary idiopathic thunderclap headache, we sometimes use a medication called indomethacin. It's considered an indomethacin-responsive headache. There are actually a lot of other unusual headaches that are endomethacin-responsive.
0: How about the patient who comes into our office saying, as of a specific date, and they can usually even name the date, they've had a headache since then. They would occasionally get a headache in the past, but since that date, they've had a persistent headache every day. What falls in that category? (laughs)
1: In the headache community and in the ICHD criteria, we are not very creative in the name of that headache. We call it new daily persistent headache and it is exactly the diagnostic criteria is pretty much what you're saying in that they have a headache that starts at the distinct day of onset and then it never goes away. The important thing with that, much like the thunderclap headache is, it's a diagnosis of exclusion. You have to make sure that there isn't a secondary cause to their headaches, that this new daily persistent headache. But we often do an extended evaluation with MRIs, vascular imaging, the features like um, from the Snoop mnemonic kind of guide how deep into the evaluation you go, but they often don't have an underlying cause that we're aware of. This idiopathic new daily persistent headache is believed to be virally mediated. There's an association with Epstein-Barr virus, and we're actually seeing it a lot after COVID, and kind of is a part, and as everybody's kind of seen, there's a lot of this long COVID syndrome where they have a distinct day of onset with their headache and it never goes away. And the one thing we do know is that they did have COVID. So it's a very similar syndrome this phenomenon was even observed in prior pandemics and that's been written about like the pandemic we had in the early 1900s
0: i imagine those who develop a csf leak can also have a daily persistent headache until that leak is
1: found and uh, treated right exactly and so when you know somebody's telling you that this headache started on a distinct day i, I really am asking various different questions and screening for things that would suggest a spinal fluid leak or that cough headache. Um, Sometimes I see people with a new daily persistent headache and we do the evaluation and then they also mention, you know, oh my, you know, when I move my neck, I flex and extend my neck or rotate my head left and right. That triggers the headache too. And and another common thing's happening uh, uncommonly, an acute cervical facet or arthritis in the neck causing like a, an acute cervicogenic headache.
0: Okay. And finally, how about headaches that have some autonomic features associated with them?
1: Oh, yes. So when you're getting the history and the examination, you know, asking about, do they have tearing, redness, congestion in their nose? Does does one eye or both eyes tear? And and if they have, you know, one eye that's red, tearing, then you really got to start thinking about this family of headaches called trigeminal autonomic cephalalgias. The most common one everybody thinks about is cluster headache, but there's a whole spectrum of them where a person can have a continuous headache, called hemicrania continua, or they can have little brief jabs, and it almost sounds like trigeminal neuralgia, and that's called sunk syndrome, short-acting unilateral neuralgia form headache with conjunctival injection and tearing. And then kind of in the middle of it is cluster headache, where the headache lasts about an hour in duration or so. And then you have paroxysmal hemicrania, which is usually about 15 minutes. So it's all a spectrum of a similar disorder. And then based on the duration of the headaches that can guide you with what type of treatments you want to use for management of that.
0: So it sounds like some of these are fairly rare, but I have to admit uh, of those that you described in the past 40 years, I've probably seen maybe 25% of these. So they're not extremely rare. So mm-hmm. It's likely that a provider will see one or more of these in their career.
1: And I think the recurring theme is uh, when, when you have these unusual things, headaches, it's, it's always important to, you know, most likely these patients will require, and it's important to get some sort of head imaging so that you're not missing a worrisome secondary cause. Even with these trigeminal autonomic cephalalgias, things like a arterial dissection can present with autonomic features of their headache. You know, the idea is, is you have the sympathetic fibers that travel up the carotid artery and if you have interruption of those pathways then you can get very much a headache that looks like a cluster headache but in reality it's a headache attributed to a carotid artery dissection or you know aneurysms you know if you're having a fixed unilateral headache aneurysms can even cause cough headache so uh, even if it sounds perfectly like a cluster headache you need to be sure you're not missing you know, structural causes to it. And we, there are even case reports of people having pituitary tumors causing a cluster headache or uh, other trigeminal autonomic cephalalgias.
0: Well, we've been discussing unusual headaches with Dr. Narayan Kassoon, a neurologist and headache specialist at the Mayo Clinic. Narayan, thank you so much for sharing your
1: knowledge with us. Thank you for having me.